Hey there, this is the Evolution Sermon Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that our message makes your week a bit more awesome. See you in church. The title of my message today is Barriers Between Us and God. This is the week 8 of our Sermon on the Mount series and our passage for today is about anger, grudges and broken relationships and how these can affect our relationship with God. Let's look at Matthew 5, 23-26. I got a message version up. It says, This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. Or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. Now, how how many of you here love the presence of God? How many of you, if you take a moment to think back, you can remember a time where you felt so close to God that something has changed in your heart? No, I really love moments like this. And I know how much I need these kind of moments to have myself grow. But how many of you can remember times when you also struggled to come into God's presence? where sometimes you had to press in more to concentrate, to surrender yourself to fully experience God. But also moments when there was something that needed to be settled, for example, an issue in your life, a struggle with some relationships, and only when it is settled, then you can be free in God's presence. You You see, when what I want to share with you today is that the condition of our hearts and the condition of our relationships affect how we experience God's presence when we come to worship. And if we want to grow closer and deeper in God, one of the things that we must prioritize in is maturing in our emotional and our relationships. The more we mature in those ways, the better our relationship with God becomes. So, when I was a young Christian, one of the most awesome thing was experiencing God's presence. I remember praying and worshipping with my guitar, coming to church, and the atmosphere was just overwhelmingly awesome. And because of that, every message and every author call really changed my heart. And it is a wonderful thing. Now, all the new Christians here, you should take advantage of it. When we are young in faith and hungry for God, God comes running after us so quickly, you know, And as live worship is opening up, I really want to encourage all of us to open up to run after God's presence when we come together in church. It will really change you and transform you. Another moment in my life where I often encountered God is when I'm struggling. Sometimes because I'm struggling, I pray more. (laughs) Naturally. Sometimes when I'm struggling, God, because He loves me, gives me grace. When I feel like things are too hard, He showed up to be there for me. So if that is you too, remember, you don't have to be perfect to have God. He loves you and wants to be there for you. You can lean on Him and His presence will show up for you. But then 
There are moments in our lives where if we want to come close to God, we have to remove the barriers that is between us and God. And I think this is what Matthew is talking about. So in verse 23, if you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. And I can attest to this. You know, one time when I was still in army, I was angry at a friend because of what he did and how he behaved. So basically, he, di he, didn't, he didn't take the responsibility for his duties and all of us in the office always needed to step in to salvage the mess that he has created. So it gotten so bad that there were a few times where our privileges, like for example, our off days or even uh, our exercise privileges were taken away from not just him, but all of us. So I was angry that I ended up scolding him and said some demeaning things to him. And so while I was doing my QT, my quiet time that week, praying, worshipping, trying to engage with God, you know, that incident kept coming up into my mind. Yeah. No matter what lyrics I was um, worshipping God with or what words I was saying to God while praying, the Holy Spirit kept bringing me back to that conversation, that situation I had with my friend. So as I was trying to communicate with God, God kept communicating to me how I didn't take care of my friend's feelings and about how I had hurt him with my words. I couldn't really get deep into God's presence that day. No, God was there. I was there too with God. But somehow, we just couldn't 100% fully connect. Have you felt like that with a friend sometimes? where there is an unresolved issues, right? So you can kind of connect, yet not fully connect until it's settled. And depending on how serious the matter is, you either avoid each other or pretend like nothing has happened. But on the inside, both of you know. And in my own experience, until we resolve an issue, it will be a hindrance to the relationship being deepened. It's the same way with God, you know. Until we resolve something God wants us to resolve, maybe it's to say sorry to a friend or to ask forgiveness for being angry or change in something so that God can bless us. These things are an obstacle to God's presence in our lives. Here, in our passage, Jesus teaches us that when we come to worship and if a barrier comes to mind, we should go resolve it so that we can offer our worship to God. So let me talk about the first barrier, and that is anger. So first point for you, our anger is a barrier to God's love. In the NRSV version of our Bible, the passage is actually titled Concerning Anger. Because anger is one of the biggest barriers to us fully experiencing God's love. It's the first barrier that Jesus talks about. Yeah. Verse 22, But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Yeah. Now this is how Jesus wants us to deal with our own anger. If we are angry with anybody, the first thing to do is not to see God. 
Instead, it is to reconcile with the person you are angry with. Oh, isn't it funny? I mean, because most people will go, right? When, I, when you have a problem, run to God first. Seek God first. Seek your solution in God. And right now, I'm just imagining, maybe Jesus is telling us that this is because God is so tired of hearing us whining about our friends, the people that we are angry with. I mean, of course, we all know God cares about what we are going through. And of course, we can run to Him when we have problems. But whenever God speaks to us about our anger to resolve it, then that's what we need to do so that there is no barriers to His presence. Now, all of us, our anger reflex is different. Who here, when you are angry, you just want to physically let it all out, like punching a wall, hitting your pillows, or some of you hitting your own soft toys? Nobody? Nobody? Okay, I'll just say. How many of you avoids it? You know, I avoid. I do too. That's me because I feel being angry is tiring. Now, who here keeps thinking and thinking about it until you get even more mad or you become long-term resentful? No, we we tend to think that it's only raging people who have an anger problem. But the truth is, all of us, we will experience anger that can hinder us from God. Some of us, you know, we are emotionally aware that we are angry. We can tell and voice out that we are angry. Some of us, we have low-key anger. (laughs) But it is still anger, you know. The rest of us, we are oblivious to our own anger. Maybe our tolerance is high, but we do get angry even though we constantly say that we are not. There is this term for it. It's called repressed anger. So, repressed anger is different from suppressed anger. So what that means, suppressed anger is when we intentionally, purposely push down our anger. We know that we are angry, but we try not to be angry. Repressed anger, on the other hand, is when we unintentionally avoid anger. So we do this to avoid uncomfortable feelings related to stress, to conflict, and to tensions. People with repressed anger often say, I never get angry. That's because they are often unaware of their anger or subconsciously they want to ignore it to avoid it and often it's because they they feel shame or fear. It doesn't matter which one we really struggle with. Both categories of anger can hinder our relationship with people and our relationship with God. Either we are too angry to fully focus on God during worship or we are too repressed and constantly running away from God or avoiding being fully expressive in our worship. And you've got to understand this, guys. Our emotional life is tied to our worship life. I have noticed when people are raging and angry, whether it's about life or about people in their life, they are also angry with God. When people are repressed and shut down with other people, they are also shut down with God. And in both cases, when our hearts are shut down, we stop listening. We stop listening to God. We stop listening. We stop letting Him, uh, giving His uh, blessing, His love into our lives. 
We place a barrier preventing God from speaking to us or growing us. And if our emotional life is not growing, then our worship life will not move too. That is why Jesus makes such a big deal about not being an angry person. He doesn't say you will never get angry. He just teaches us don't be consumed by it or but controlled by it. Anger must have a healthy place in our life. We must be slow to anger, merciful and gracious like God. And when we are too angry, we must deal it by, uh, deal it by forgiving. So listen, later during auto call, I want us to take some time to resolve any anger we might be struggling with so that we can come into God's presence fully. But also I thought we can be practical today. I'm not a therapist, but here are some helpful tips from the therapist that I found, all right? So tip number one, understand where your anger is coming from. So instead of seeing anger as something that you need to control, why not treat it as a data? Information that tells you what's happening in your heart about what you want, what you need, what you care about. No, you can ask yourself the following questions. How did you know you were angry? What changed about your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and bodily sensations? What do you think triggered your anger in those situations? What about the situation that upset or angered you? Why did that bother you so much? What was your anger trying to tell you about what you wanted, what you needed, or care about? In fact, if we just look back and analyze the different moments we've been angry, sometimes we can see a pattern that helps us understand ourselves better. A second tool that I found to be helpful, especially for those of us who tend to repress our emotions where we don't even know that we are angry, is to track our anger in our body. So for me, right, I often feel warmth in my body and I breathe heavily before I realize that I probably might have been angry. More and more research shows we hold our emotions not just in our heart and our brain, but also in our body. Some of the common ways that anger shows up in the body include chest tightness, muscle soreness, fatigue, increased heartbeat, upset stomach, dizziness, headache or migraine, weak limbs, increased blood pressure, muscle tensions. So by becoming more self-aware with your body's reaction, you can be more emotionally aware of your own emotions. You can process your anger before it becomes a problem. You can start to recognize what things tend to trigger you being angry or shutting down from people. Alright? So third tool for your body is find a physical outlet for your anger. One of the things researchers have found is anger is a high energy emotion. That means we need to do... A we do need to learn how to use our bodies to release our anger and regulate our emotions. Exercising and being physically active all helps to release good hormones and balance the chemistry in our brains, making us feel calmer and more relaxed. Yeah. 
When you are angry, don't go around beating someone up or yell at your loved ones. Go do some push-ups or sit-ups or go run around. If you are very, very angry, go do some high-intensity exercise like HIIT, weightlifting. You know, get your emotions out in the right way. Don't take it out on people or take it out on God. Finally, a fourth tool I want to give you is start journaling. So most of the time, our emotions and feelings run wild in our mind. And we think the solution is just sit there and keep thinking. But it just gets worse. Journaling is a way to express our thoughts. And as we write, we tend to take the mess out in our head and order it in a productive way. That's why journaling is such a powerful tool for prayer. Sometimes when we just pray in our heads, we feel like our time with God is in a mess and we can't really connect with Him. But when we write out our prayers out, or sometimes we have some questions to prompt us like, what do I want to say to God? What does God want to say to me? It can really help us focus on God. So listen, you do whatever works for you. And let's try to grow our emotional lives so that we can grow in God's presence. Let's remove any barriers to fully receive God's love. All right? Moving on. Point number two. Making right is important to worship. So verse 23 to 26 says, So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Why does Jesus tell us that we must reconcile first, then come to worship? Well, in the scripture, one of the most important meaning of giving God an offering was so that human beings can be reconciled with Him. As far as God is concerned, we are not worshipping to gain His protection or His blessing. No, we are not. We are worshipping to be made right in our relationship with Him so that we can experience His full person, His full presence. Does that make sense? That is why the Message Bible translates Jesus' teaching as this. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with Him. Reconciliation is making right. And making right with people is part of making right with God. And it is what worship is. You see, in point one, we talked about resolving our own anger, right? But what happens when someone gets angry with us? We can get angry at someone, but someone can also get angry with us. People do things to hurt us, but we also do things that hurt other people and cause them to be angry with us. It could be something we said. Maybe we were rude, disrespectful. It could be the attitude on our faces. We look like we are not listening. Or even, for the guys, we mansplain a lot. Maybe nagging or being self-centered, selfish, only thinking and talking about ourselves all the time. Taking someone for granted. There's just so many things, so many things. And what Jesus teaches us here 
is that if we want to fully experience worship with God, making right with people must be a priority in our lives. One of the things I feel that this world has lost is that it's the true power of saying sorry. Some people view apologizing as a sign of weakness, so they refuse to apologize or they pretend that it never happened. Or if they are forced to apologize, they apologize angrily or passive-aggressively or grudgingly. Because deep down inside, we all just want to be right. Then there are some people who apologize too much because that's just what you do and when you have little confidence in yourself. Or maybe because it's our cultural habit that we say sorry a lot. But what Jesus is talking about here is real reconciliation, which is sometimes as simple as good, genuine, and sincere apology. And I have noticed another behavior. A lot of us live like there's no such thing as real reconciliation. For example, how many of you know this phrase, let bygones be bygones? (laughs) Or we can agree to disagree. And so instead of really having good communication with our friends who are angry with us, we do things to smooth things over, like buying an apology gift or treating the person to a meal or just to make it seem like everything is better. But actually, we are avoiding this difficult conversation that needs to happen. Now, that's not making things right. That's just buying forgiveness. And we don't do that to people only. Sometimes we do it to God. We make up for being far away from God by serving in ministries. We make up for other areas that we are not right with God by maybe giving more offerings that week. But here's the thing. That's not what God wants the most from us. Over and over again in the Bible, God's Word teaches us here, 1 Samuel 15.22, Does the Lord want entirely burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obedience to the Lord? Listen to this. Obeying is better than sacrificing. Paying attention is better than fat from rams. In Psalms 51.16, You don't want sacrifices If I give an entirely burnt offering, you wouldn't be pleased. A broken spirit is my sacrifice, God. You won't despise a heart, God, that is broken and crushed. Hosea 6.6 I desire faithful love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God instead of entirely burnt offerings. God wants our faithful love. God wants us to know Him and His presence to come to Him with a right heart more than He wants our sacrifices. Everything that we do should come out of first being made right with God and others. You see, forgiveness cannot be bought. What is done is done. We need to make right with the person we've done wrong too. Material cannot make up for relationship. Moreover, if we do that, that is bribing for forgiveness. And bribing for forgiveness is not reconciling with the person. You can't just buy a person's love. You can't buy God's grace. We need to make right with the person a genuine apology, a real reconciliation. There is nothing wrong with our offerings, you know. Jesus says here, leave your offering, go make right, then come and give that offering. 
So the problem is not the offering. Jesus is teaching us that when it comes to worship, He's not looking at the value of the gift we put on the altar. He's looking at our heart, our character, our sincerity, and our attitude. And the way we've matured in how we do relationships. God's love cannot be bought. If we are entering into God's presence with a wrong attitude, with the way we treat people in a mess, then we are not relating God as our Lord, our Savior, or our Father our friend, or even God. Instead, God has become our monthly subscription for grace. So friends, let me ask you this. How are you relating to people and how are you relating to God? Are you a person who shows faithful love to others in the way you make right when there's something wrong? Again, just like our emotional maturity affects our experience of God's presence, there's no running away from maturity, uh, maturing relationally. Yeah. Yeah. Our relational life is tied to our worship life. Yeah. Remember the stories that I told you earlier about the one whom I said something hurtful to? Yeah. Well, let me tell you this. After that, for a week or two, I couldn't find my way into God's presence. You know, every time when I pray, the Holy Spirit always reminds me about it. And I was denying my feelings. I was saying, no God, that's not what I was feeling. That's not my intention. Did it really happen? Or even I would avoid the topic during quiet time. Try not to think about, about it or talk to God about other stuff and then quickly end the prayer. Now, as I do this, I actually placed a barrier between God and me. I stopped listening to God and I stopped God from speaking into my life. I put a barrier in our relationship and my experience of God's, and presence, God's presence and love. I also put a barrier in my relationship with my friend. I felt stuck and it felt like my spiritual life couldn't progress at all. And this problem with my friend became a distraction from God's presence. And finally, one day, I decided to let God's conviction in. I prayed about what the Holy Spirit spoke to me, that my words had hurt my friend. Then I went to talk things through with my friend and make right with him. After that, things were so much better. I felt happier and freer hanging out with my friend. And then from then on, I felt freer when I worshipped and prayed. You see, God is wanting to bless us. He's trying to bless us by growing us, improving our relationship in life, improving our attitude, our character. But our anger or pride or fear of confrontation when others get angry with us always stands in the way. But we all have to make a choice to mature relationally. So don't let that become a hindrance in your relationship with people or with God. Making right is necessary for deeper worship. So some convictions and behaviors we should grow in is number one, own your mistakes. If you made the mistake, take responsibility. Number two, own your mistakes even if no one else is watching. How many times we have we treated someone badly but then gotten away with it because no one else saw. 
or the person we hurt was just too nice to us that they don't retaliate back. You know, at the end of the day, even if no one sees, you know, and God knows. And how you responded is reflective of your character. Number three, simply say sorry and not, I'm sorry, but... You get what I mean? Number four, be honest and genuine by describing what happened with the right tone. The person who's hurt by you needs to know that you understand what happened and why it was hurtful to them. So you make sure you remain focused on your role rather than deflecting the blame. Number five, admit you are wrong. So this takes a really big and humble person to own up to being wrong. And not just in secret, but personally to the person you have wronged. Number six, have a plan and let them know how you intend to fix the situation. Number seven, ask for forgiveness and a little vulnerability goes a long way. So making right is important to worship. Okay, last point for today. Jesus wants us to be free. Worship, when it's at its best, feels free. Why does God care that our hearts are free from anger? Why does God care that our relationships are in a good place? Because when that happens, we are free. Living by the law of love, living free from anger and free from relationships where we haven't done right by people. All these things that Jesus is teaching us in Sermon on the Mount, it brings us true freedom. Again, Matthew 5.25, Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. We like to think that we can get out of resolving our inner anger. We like to think that we can get away with not making right with people. But the truth is, we can't. It may seem like we escape these things in the moment, but we always pay the last penny. We pay in a life that's robbed of peace and joy. We pay in relationships where we can't truly, truly be ourselves with God and people. We pay in loss of true freedom. I don't know if anyone of here, here has ever been debt before. Maybe it's student loans that you are struggling to pay off. Maybe it's housing loans that you are taking on. Credit card debts because you bought at what you can't afford or maybe you borrowed some money from friends you are struggling to return or even something you took from your parents or friends but didn't return yeah. you know when we know we are in debt it was never a good feeling yeah. even if it's not a f- worst feeling because maybe what you owe isn't that big or serious even if it's not the worst feeling it's still a bad feeling a nagging feeling. Depending on how big the debt is, that's the amount of consequences you feel. Because the debt will always 
become calling. You will feel stressed, you feel distracted, you lose your joy and peace. And that's what happens when we owe someone something. Whether it's God, whether it's people, whether it's ourselves. So listen, freedom is not sweeping our issues under the rug. Freedom is not doing whatever we want and get away with whatever we want. When we live with emotional immaturity or relational immaturity, we hurt ourselves and we put barriers in between us and God. And true freedom should feel like this. The ability to be 100% ourselves, happy, healthy, confident, vulnerable with God and people, knowing that they love us. True freedom should feel like peace where we don't feel like we're avoiding or running away from someone because we've hurt them or there's no longer any trust. You know, Jesus doesn't expect us to be perfect in our relationship with God or with people. That's why this passage isn't just about coming to God's house to worship. The fact that Jesus says, drop your gift at the altar and go deal with your anger and your relationship means these things are part of life. We will definitely get angry. We will definitely have moments where people let us down and we let people down. But what Jesus is concerned with is that we know how to deal with our emotions and relationships. That these things don't become barriers to freedom in our worship to God. So that's all I have for you today.